Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Hello, good morning. Welcome to Luck on Sunday. I'm Cornelius Lysett, sitting in for Nick this week as he returns from the Saudi Cup. And we have for you a suitably frenetic programme for a frenetic horse racing weekend. One, I hope, which will lift some of the lockdown blues as well. I hope so anyway. Delighted to say that Dave Yates... Newsboy of the Daily Mirror uh, is joining me in the studio. Hello. You well? You, I imagine you're here now. Newbie later on. Is it one of those days, double bubble, getting a few quid today? Well, I mean, I, I expect to be paid for this programme, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the um, trip to Newbury will just be part of my Daily Mirror stipend, so there'll be no additional wedge in it. If I, I think double bubble still vaguely applies. Yeah, I, I suppose That so. is the if, great thing about, like. although it was disappointing to lose Newbury last weekend, the fact is it's a, a real big bonus this weekend. Yeah, and it's going to be some afternoon, isn't it? The, the uh, Nicky Henderson raised some eyebrows with uh, the announcement that Champ was going to run over two miles, but I rang him on Friday and he insisted there was method in the madness, his phrase not mine, and I think there is. I think it's a really interesting, you know, we, we, uh, we say nothing, for example, in Australia when uh, horses are run over a variety of trips leading up to their target. And quite close together. <laughs> exactly. But much closer together than we do it here. Um, and so I think the idea of not pulling the guts out of a horse over three miles eight days closer to its Cheltenham target, a horse who's not raced since March, and we're talking about Champ, of course, um, who can be keen. I, I think that that is quite a daring, but actually very innovative plan. And, and, it, and it, it stands to reason, I think. And if you think about it, Nicky Henderson has been doing it 40-plus years. I think it's 42 years now. So he has had dramas of differing sort because of the weather, because of horses being injured and coming back, all these type of things a million times over the years. So actually, his mind is always whirring away, trying to work out perhaps a slightly different solution to a, a problem that's presented itself. Well, that's, that's the one thing that you can't say, isn't it? So, Henderson, how many Cheltenham winners have you trained? Well however many it is, 69, 70, whatever. Um, you know, the, the first, my first experience of Cheltenham was, was in 1987, when See You Then was this hurdler who, I think that year, had one run back and was, was notoriously See fragile. you when, people used to say, didn't See they? See you again, Peter O'Sullivan called uh, the horse twice on the run to the line. I watched it yesterday afternoon. Um, but... It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really interesting way of doing things, and I, I I think he said on Friday that there were people that expected 
who would call him a fool, who actually said, well, yeah, this seems quite a sensible way of doing things. Well, it's one of the many intriguing things about Super Sunday at Newbury, which we'll be able to follow on Racing TV later on. And I'm sure the road to Cheltenham, which has caused my Thursday evenings to be completely rearranged with Lydia Hislop and Ruby Walsh, will have so much to chat about as a result of everything today. Now, you've worked in newsrooms. I've worked in newsrooms. And occasionally the cry goes up, what's the lead? And what's the lead means one of two things. Either nothing's happening. What on earth are we going to uh, lead the bulletin on? Or... We've got so much potentially top-notch material yeah. that we don't know what to lead on. We're sport for choice. Mm. And that was the case yesterday, wasn't mm. it? Um, I was at Ascot. You liked that little link, did you? Yeah, I did, very much. <laughs> but it, almost as much as the, 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 bulbs, the, the, the bulbs coming out of the, uh, <laughs> out it, of the it, ground. The soil. I thought, are your, are your dad, question time. Are your, um, are your hyacinths not, uh, uh, not gradually not coming a, out? I, I may look like... Uh, uh, a ginger David Bellamy, Cornelius, but I have no use. Uh, how, very disa- in, how very in, disappointing! How very disappointing! I'm sure you agree. <laughs> Lovely grapefruits <laughs> in your garden. Anyway, um, with uh, with regards, uh, however, to what we were just talking about, which is uh, th- that we were sport for choice. I was at Ascot yesterday, and I always, I'm quite old school about reporting on the leading on the feature race, unless there's a massive human interest story it's mm. got to displace that I think. right but yesterday uh, Goshen did displace it th- this sort of redemptive story or th- half of the redemptive story is complete now isn't it we've got the other half to come to uh, uh, Cheltenham it, it was t- to see the horse come back in this style for a, a, the more family who are a, a, an extremely popular family in the racing community the fact that this horse had run so poorly uh, behind Song for Someone at Cheltenham in December. I thought Jamie Moore might have a sore neck this yeah. morning. He was looking around so much. It probably, I don't, it wouldn't be in disbelief as to where the others were because he, but he wanted to make certain, didn't he? Is, but this was some performance, a 22 length win. Over Song for Someone. Yeah, but a, a horse who, of course, had won that international at Cheltenham in December. He was. He was 5-1 to one at the start of the season for the champion. Mm. On the back, of course, of that uh, heartbreaking capsize in the triumph hurdle when he was about 10 lengths clear. He, on, on the back of what's happened over uh, the ensuing months, a couple of defeats on the flat, and then that abject, I don't think it's overstating it to say, run at, at Cheltenham. And now he's back to 5-1, to one, third favourite. And I think... That given the way that he ran at Cheltenham last year, and of course Honeysuckle and Epitant, the two horses ahead of him in the champion hurdle betting, also won at the, the festival last year. I think that there are going to be lots of people who are interested in that. But it yeah. was a, a real triumph for, for the Moore family, for, for Jamie riding there, uh, for Gary, and uh, the red and white silks there of Stephen Packham as well. And uh, this, this horse is developing into a, uh, regardless of the, the headlines in the Racing Post, but into a real good sporting story. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely. And, well, it, in a sense, I'd, if I say that he represents the small man, I don't mean in any way that, to denigrate the Moore's no, operation, not. that they are, they are players at the highest level and have been for a very long time now. There's no doubt about that. But they don't have the money to spend that, that other stables do. There's no question about and that. And they're not Nichols or Henderson or, or Mullins or Elliott Absolutely. or the Bromhead. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a great story, this. I mean, the, as I say, if you like your redemption, you know, crime and punishment, a Christmas carol... La Fanchula del West, 
this is your thing. It's, just a, it's a great story, really heartwarming stuff. So um, Goshen goes uh, roaring up the betting for the champion hurdle. Now, if you're a big fan of the reigning champion, Epitont, or of the Irish champion, Honeysuckle, what are you thinking? I think you're thinking we've got someone else to worry about. And I really do think that they've got to worry about Goshen. As I say, I mean, uh, I, I, I hate to remind people of what happened at the final flight of the, of the Triumph Hurdle, but up to that point, it was a freak accident. The horse, I think, almost tripped himself up going into that. Uh, but at the time, what was a, a, a good Triumph Hurdle field, the likes of All Mankind were there, um, Joseph O'Brien's uh, horse, whose name has momentarily escaped me, they, they were beaten horses. And very quick, we're going to talk to Jamie. In tower. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Jamie in two seconds. But Song for Someone, I thought, ran, considering he appeared to be the first beaten, he, he ran with a certain amount of credit. Is his champion hurdle story over? Yeah, I think so. I, th I think that they're going to go elsewhere now. That was, it was the, the, the fact-finding mission. There were two fact-finding missions, weren't there, yesterday? Um, the connections of Song for Someone wanted to see if they had a horse who had the speed for a champion hurdle. That was really uh, answered in the, in the negative, wasn't it? Because he was in trouble and then he stayed on to finish a thoroughly creditable yeah. and clear second. The other question, Gary Moore said, I need to know whether I've got a horse good enough to go for the champion hurdle or not. Well, that was answered emphatically in the, in the affirmative. Very emphatically. And uh, Jamie Moore is able to join us now on the telephone, I think en route to Newbury. Jamie, good morning. Good morning. Well, well done. Well done. The, 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 you've acknowledged the messages on, on social media. There must have been hundreds. I can't imagine it. Yeah, there's um, a, lot of, a lot of very kind messages. So I, I thank everyone for them. It's very kind of them. And Dave was talking there about redemption, about the importance as well of yesterday, that after the, the disappointing run. So how did you go into yesterday? Were you, were you quite nervous about everything? No, I was, I was, I was confident. I was... Um, when I was, I, was, I was driving down there, I was really happy with him because the, the way on Tuesday he did a bit of work that we we kind of thought he was back, you know. And um, well, he, he, he back back working well anyway, you know. And um, he even just before Sandown, when Sandown was cancelled a couple of weeks ago, um, we I schooled him the morning before that, and he he, he basically bolted off of me, you know. And and we we, we were getting all the right signs that he was. Happy in himself, and um, he's, he's kind of showed it a little bit yesterday. And so, those, those defeats and those times when things weren't going so right—only a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago—what what, what do you put them all down to? Well, obviously, the, the fibrillating heart um, was a was, was the factor at Cheltenham, and um, I mean the, the, the flat runs. I mean, Haydock maybe Dad thought maybe just wasn't quite as ready as what he thought he was. And then his Goodwood run, we all still stand by. He probably didn't run that bad, really. He ran off a mark of 87, and and he he wasn't being fine. And the, the horse in front of him came out and won a won, won a group race next time out. So um, uh, yeah, his his so he probably didn't run too bad. And then Cheltenham, he had his issue, um, and we've hopefully sorted that 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 out. Yeah, you say he had his issue, but as a result his profile is very high and he's obviously very close to you and your family and your extended family's hearts but he's got a growing band of supporters as well so there is a huge amount of interest now in this horse and exactly what he does isn't there yeah there, there is yeah he's always um 
he's always created a lot of interest, probably because when he wins, he, he looks pretty explosive. Um, he kind of doesn't win by like anything less than ten lengths, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, and and maybe people latch, latch on to that sort of thing that he, he, he that he looks very good and. Um, yeah, and obviously me falling off, and maybe people like the old sob stories. I don't know. <laughs> so, well, you you say it with a little smile in your voice. There, is that now the way to reflect on it? Eleven months on. <laughs> no, no, it still does my head and what, what, what happened, but um, I can't change it, you know. And I suppose time's the best healer for anything, isn't it? Um, yeah, but it's, no, it's just done. Yeah, it's done. So, um, yeah. That's it now. Uh, just let's just take you back to yesterday again. What was really striking? Everyone who's watched the the Kingwell, the Betwell Kingwell hurdle at, at Wincanton has said, "Gosh, look at the way you, you look round both ways twice." I think. What 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 was going through your mind? Where is everyone else, or is this all working out? Or what was going through your mind? Because they're quite striking no, looks looks round. Yeah, I'll tell you what. When you got two rods in your back, it got stuck in there in August. It ain't that easy to look round, you know. So it probably looks a little bit more. Obvious with it with me, so I'm putting start doing yoga or something. But the, the reason for looking around was because um, I I kind of didn't want to give him a hard race because Cheltenham's not too far away and you want to win, but I didn't want to I didn't want to completely e empty the petrol tank. So you're trying to win, but without being as hard as I could on him. So usually got a big screen to look at, but because that they haven't got the screens that track, I, I I needed to make sure I'd win, but I didn't want to give him as hard a race as what. What was absolutely necessary. Um, I know it probably doesn't look good looking around, but honestly, I'm, I'm not very flexible anymore, so <laughs> <laughs> it didn't look too good. And trying to be good to the horse without emptying the tank completely before Cheltenham. You know, that, that was the reason. You, you, I just wanted to get him as easy a race as possible, you know? Well, it couldn't have been more impressive. 22 lengths. And for you, Jamie, you know that we know that for you and your family, these have been, regardless of what happened in the Triumph Hurdle last year, these have been really tough times. So uh, that, that, this seems to be a really, really significant and heartwarming sort of pinnacle in, in the, your story at the moment. Yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a tough few months, you know, personally as well, you know. So, um, I mean, this, the, the, the horses, is, it's great for that, but I mean, I, there are a lot more important things in life than horses, but they do, and then horse racing, but it, it, it does help, it does help the mood around the place to you put a lot of hard work in and you sacrifice a lot of things and um, and then, then you get nice rewards but it's, um, it's nice to get, get, get that, that thing done yesterday and hopefully we can move on to his next target. Well, the racing pages were well represented at Ascot yesterday, theoretically the, the, the feature meeting, but uh, that Kingwell hurdle meant that there was a, a real race to be the, the sort of feature story of the day yesterday. And Dashiell Drasher won the Betfair Ascot chase in great style, surname pulled up, uh, beating Master Tommy Tucker. Dashiell Drasher delivers for an emotional Scott there's a good headline, and I wonder how emotional Jeremy Scott is. He's been good enough to join us on the telephone on Luck on Sunday. Now, Jeremy, good morning. Good morning. Uh, an emotional Scott. Uh, I, I, I guess you bred the horse as well. Uh, it was a, a notable victory. I, I, I think uh, that's probably a good adjective, isn't it, emotional? 
Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it, I mean, anybody who's ever bred a horse will realise how flipping difficult it is to get one out of a mare, let alone get it on the race course and then win a race. So winning a Grade One win with a you know a homebred is is fantastic. And uh, the television pictures after the race were were really striking. Uh, I think a couple of members of your staff probably were making a, a great deal of noise in, in front of those empty stands at Ascot. But you were there, hands in pockets, looking uh, looking very cool, calm and collected. What were you like inside? Uh, well, I was uh, probably a cement mixer going around in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> now, the girls, um, amazing the reaction that the girls have got actually on all the social media and things. You know, I think it really um, brings home to people exactly what, what this sport can and mean to the participants really and uh, no it was fantastic to see them enjoying it so much and I know there was a lot of noise at home with all the other guys watching it. Yeah and and uh, as we were just saying about the, the Moors the fact is that the the Nicholses and the Hendersons and the Mullinses and the Elliots dominate a lot so uh, from I think from a wider perspective nice to see uh, one of the, the the less obvious teams actually you and uh, Matt Griffiths actually really grabbing the limelight yeah I mean it, it, it's a yeah, absolute thrill for us and and Matt you know bless him he's he's very underrated I think you know he only really rides for myself and Nicky Martin but I thought he gave him the coolest of rides you know when things didn't go to plan early on you know he sat bided his time took his opportunity um, you know he had a game plan in his head quite happy to alter it as he went along and, and uh, you know I thought he gave it an outstanding ride. So you talk about a game plan everyone else seemed to have been talking about surname in the in the build-up to the race and indeed Master Tommy Tucker what, what, what was your thinking going there were you thinking well we've got some good course and distance form but there is surname to take on? Yeah I mean I, funny, I, I ran the races next door to each other from when surname had run one round Ascot and I mean by the time we got to the final fence he was well he was over the final fence and finished and we were still jumping the final fence so you know we were going there thinking well the only way we're going to beat him if he turns up on his A game is to disrupt his rhythm and and you know it had, you'd seen in the past that if things didn't go to go his way you know that he he Sort of slightly through the towel in or whatever it was uh so you know it was um our, our plan to slightly disrupt his rhythm if we could which is why we were keen to get a good start and and then we were keen to take him on when when we had the opportunity to do so which is exactly what matt did and then surname pulled up and uh there, there you are but then master tommy tucker's there as well so you've got another Nichols uh challenge on your hands yeah, and I thought Daryl gave that an absolute peach of a ride. I mean, he was stalking us all the way around, whether that was whether he was stalking us or whether he was just happy with where he was sitting. But he, he never moved, did he? And he sort of smuggled him into the race. And, yes, turning in, you would have said uh, he was going much the better. But um, every time he came to us, our, our lad picked up. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, as I say, Daryl gave that a lovely ride. A um, couple of quick questions, very uh, quickly before you go, Jeremy. You you bred the horse. You and your wife Camilla bred the horse. So the timeline from the birth to the Grade One, you know, you've had to be quite. It's quite a long time, isn't it? Even e even though you know you've achieved it. Uh, well, it is. I mean, that's that's 
the, the, the agony of breeding, isn't it? The, <laughs> your, um, yeah, it, your disappointments usually come thick and fast uh, all the way through. So as I say, it's all the more remarkable to get there. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's the pleasurable thing. I always think the young horses are the pleasurable thing. You see them developing and, and improving and um, progressing. And so, yeah, to do it with one you've bred is, is, is an outstanding uh, you know, achievement, I think, well, particularly for my wife, as she's the one that really does it all, and I'm the one that's moaning at the bill from all the <laughs> grief and time it takes. Well, you can afford them now. Final, final quick question. What, what, what's the plan now? You're, you're in the Ryanair chase at Cheltenham, aren't you? We are. Uh, I mean, the horse seems fine this morning, but I haven't, we, we actually had to leave quite early to get up to Newbury. Um, so I haven't heard how he trotted up, but... Uh, I think very much just see how he comes out of it. I mean, almost I would say that would pretty nearly. He's had a hard old race, but he's had two hard races um, that may may just come too soon. Anyway, uh, there is a three mile at um, uh, entry we could we could aim for. But the main thing is see how he comes out of it. But if having had a bit of an injury last year, I wouldn't be rushing him uh, if. That was his um, final race of this season. It wouldn't be the end of the world, quite frankly. I'd rather have him in one piece and uh, aim for some nice pots next year. Well, there'll be some very nice pots beckoning you next year as well, uh, whatever happens. Jeremy, well done again. Well done to all the team. And thanks very much indeed for joining us on Luck on Sunday this morning. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure. Right, we're going to move on now to the Saudi Cup. And we're going to move on to a race which is the richest race in the world. What, worth 20, the purse is 20 million US 20 million dollars? Quid, yeah. No, uh, sorry. And um, Mishrif uh, was uh, a big hope here, second in the Saudi Derby last year, trained by John Gosden for Prince Faisal. And it was David Egan, the jockey, on board. And uh, as we pick up the film here, he's just about to poke his nose uh, into, the, into the picture. Yeah, this was, uh, as you say, a, a horse who'd run well at the meeting 12 months earlier in those really famous colours yeah, that have, have been maroon. around for, for decades. Sir Henry Cecil had some uh, good horses for Prince Faisal. I think Invincible Spirit, uh, the uh, champion sprinter and then influential sire, carried those silks as well. We've got Charlatan, the American champion and the favourite here towards that far rail. But there's a sense of inevitability I think through the last 200 yards that Mishrif slowly but surely is going to get there. The Prix Jockey Club winner uh, from last summer and now wins the world's richest race on turf and, and fantastic this for, for Dave, David Egan because remember if we, we turn the clock back to October last year when Mishrif ran at Kipco British Champions Day on the card there at Ascot Frankie de Tory stepped in for the yeah. ride. David had no choice but to say, well, these things happen, my turn will come. Uh, he took that with commendable grace and generosity. Oh, yeah. Of course, he's, he's retained by the owner, so it was the owner's choice. But this is uh, some measure of compensation, isn't it? I think it's uh, well, 7.3 7. million quid, I yeah. think, is the winner's prize. Yeah. And look at the, the smile on his face and... Uh, his, uh, his dad, John, was there as well. And by the, the powers of technology, uh, he, I think David can join us on Luck on Sunday right now. Uh, David, good morning from us. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank well, thank you for coming on. Uh, what, what lovely pictures we're just looking at here. The broadest of smiles, uh, a very well executed plan uh, in the race itself. So uh, congratulations. Did the, the, the Americans sort of, you know, they, they, they ended up sort of setting it up for you, really? Yeah. Um, what I thought the race would pan out, I thought it more of a breakneck pace. I didn't think it was... Uh, crazy speed that look you have two of the best riders in the world Joel Rosario and Mike Smith in front of me they know what pace they're going um, so the best horses won on the day I think we just outstayed them up the home straight and were you always going to get there up the home straight um, look you took a good bit of encouraging there's some the second horse the top class horse and he took a lot of uh, wearing down but my horse got a big heart and he really stuck his head down all the way up the straight and this had been a plan, I think, um, uh, thought about by the, the Gosden team since that runner-up spot in the, the Saudi Derby of last year. Yeah, of course. It's probably something Prince Faisal has always wanted to do since the Saudi Cup uh, meeting was, was made up. He's obviously from Saudi Arabia, so it's a big deal for him. It's a big honour for me to ride the winner of the race for him. And there were some lovely shots of, of you and your dad hugging as well. John was obviously... Just, uh, in fact, they're just coming up on our screen now, and that is really lovely to watch. Yeah, look, it was fantastic to have him here. He's uh, he travelled over with some of the Bahrain horses from the the stable I'm working with, with the Fauzi Nas stable, who had Sims here in the race, and he had a couple of other runners throughout the weekend. So it was uh, no great to have him there. And the the dirt, I, I, I think I, I heard you say that you you'd sought particular advice on on riding on the the dirt surface. Yes, look, I spoke to a lot of people. I rode in uh, Lowell Park a couple of seasons ago for a man called Jose Corrales. He um, obviously got a bit of practice riding on the dirt there, but besides that, I wouldn't have as much experience on the dirt than look, Joel Rosario, Mike Smith. They ride in the dirt every every day, every week in these big Group 1 dirt races. So it was, uh, I was a bit out of my depth, but I did everything I could to... Kind of got all the information I need from people who know more about it than me and took bits of advices of lots of different people and uh, just thankful to all of them for helping me. Well, uh, you, you said you're out of your depth. You certainly haven't looked even vaguely out of your depth for, for a long time now, riding in the UK and elsewhere. Dave and I were just talking just before you came on about the fact that there obviously was disappointment last year that uh, you weren't riding this horse on some of the big occasions, but you, you seem determined just to, to put your head down, not get, uh, certainly not publicly upset, and to get on with it and to, to sort of uh, deal with it? Yeah, look, uh, I think with the situation everyone was in with the coronavirus pandemic, uh, me losing the ride through different circumstances is a, is a minor thing, minor suffering for myself compared to the rest of the world of what everyone's gone through. So if you just put that into perspective... It, uh, it didn't make it make it too bad, and uh, look, it was worth the race. We got back on him and won the richest race in the world. So we're just very grateful to everyone involved. And I imagine you're you're dreaming now of perhaps big dirt races in the United States, Breeders' Cup Classic, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Look, it's something Mr. Gosling and Prince Faisal will. I'm sure they'll have a plan. Mr. Gosling is used to these. Uh, training these great horses and I'm sure he'll have a plan and uh, look, he knows more about these horses than me so we'll let him do his job and I'll try and uh, 
ride the horse to the best of my ability on the day. So it all happened for you in, in Saudi Arabia yesterday. Just fill us in what, what you're doing for the next uh, few weeks and when we'll be seeing you in the, in the UK again. Yeah, so at the moment I'm just travelling back to Bahrain by road. There's uh, four of us in the car. Hamid, Paddy How long does that take? Father and me. It's about four hours to the border. We've just crossed the border now into Bahrain and we're, uh, we're driving back home. Um, we've just done our coronavirus test, so everything's very uh, COVID safe and everything. We'll go home and quarantine for six to eight hours until we get our test back and then we can go back to living day to day here in Bahrain. Um, pretty locked down here with re all restaurants closed just for takeaways and things like that. But look, racing's still going on as, as normal here. And I'm going to be here for the next couple of weeks until returning back to the UK. And final thought, the weather. I, I, I didn't expect to turn the television on and look at racing in Riyadh and hear the words rain and a bit chilly. Uh, what, what, what's the weather like today? Yeah, look, it, well, it stopped raining there. It was, it was forecast actually for the week prior that there was going to be rain on Saturday. My only worry, and when I spoke to Mr. Gosden, that if they did have torrential rain that the ground would go sloppy and that's something he wouldn't be used to that the American horses would have that slight advantage being raced on sloppy tracks before but uh, luckily it wasn't too much rain um, the weather was nice and cool which was probably a help for the, the European horses that's used to the cold weather and uh, look everything fell right on the day Well look congrat congratulations um, safe driving back to uh, your apartment uh, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back in the UK before too long. But many congratulations from all of us. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to use the expression, what a nice young man, because it makes me feel terribly old. But what a nice young man. I mean, I, I, I was really taken by the interview last year. I think it might have been on racing TV at Salisbury, if my mind doesn't play tricks, when... Uh, you know, I don't want to dwell on the negative, but, you, but you, people show their true colours in adversity. Oh, of course. And I thought that, that, that must have been a, a bit of a kick in the groin to get jocked off uh, Misriff on, on one of the big days at Ascot. And David took it, as I say, with just, my time will come. I mean, he was, he's 21 now. I don't know if he was 20 then or whatever. But um, he was, uh, it, I thought his reaction to it showed him in a, a very positive light indeed. And that confidence that his time would come, well, now it has. And uh, I think, there, like you say, the Breeders' Cup Classic would be on the agenda. He's now favourite for the Dubai World Cup, I think, in some places as well. So that's another big payday that uh, might lie ahead in the coming weeks. I'm sure the Gosden team will be having a good think about what the plan should be. Now, talking of people whose time uh, we have been talking about is going to come, and has indeed come, uh, Holly Doyle, yet another major international stage uh, with Willie Mullins, uh, with True Self winning the uh, Naom Turf Cup. And the horse is right underneath the time on the screen there, just about to uh, make its move through the closing stages. Once finished second in a bumper at Warwick. Yeah, this is I, a long way uh, on. I remember seeing her win a, a listed race at Bath a couple of years ago and think, you know what, I think the undercard of the Saudi Cup would be uh, <laughs> right uh, for, for this one. And... The winner's purse is 438,000 sterling, I believe. So it's the most, it's the, it's the richest race win of Holly Doyle's. 
upwardly mobile career. It, I think it's the second richest of Willie Mullins, eclipsed only by Blackstair Mountain in the Nakayama Grand Jump of, I think, eight or nine years ago, I believe. And so, not content with training all the favourites <laughs> for the Cheltenham <laughs> Festival. Festival. <laughs> uh, He's not coming there for the prize money. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, a, a, another, uh, another landmark for the, for the jockey here. Um, her fiancé, Tom Marcon, whilst this was going on, was setting, I think, a personal best on one of those bikes that you have in, in his your, hotel room in, um, in Australia. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it looked a bit of a mess. Uh, the the uh, the place. So I, I hope he's had a tidy up, but they could afford to get a cleaner uh, if they need one on the back of that <laughs> 438 large. And you know, joke very quickly because we've got to uh, move on. But Willie Mullins, you know, we joke all those Cheltenham Festival favourites, and now he's off in Saudi Arabia winning a, a major mile and a quarter flat race um, on on that car. Yeah, yeah, it's astonishing. You know, the uh, every time every time you think that uh, that stable. Has you know has reached a peak? It just finds another one, doesn't it? It's 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 amazing. Right. Well, let's uh, move on on luck on Sunday now. Today, for the point to pointing world, uh, should have been another busy Sunday revolving around planned fixtures at Great Trithew, at Higham, at Bangarondee, and at Barbary Castle. And that's just in the UK. More point-to-points were scheduled for Ireland. But all is quiet for another weekend, both sides of the Irish Sea because of the pandemic. And there has been nothing in Britain since before Christmas. However, hopes are high of some kind of a resumption in the middle of next month using uh, many of the protocols that were put in place for the few point-to-point fixtures that did take place before Christmas and uh, were much applauded. But the fact is that point-to-point racing, like hunter-chase racing, is not considered an elite sport, doesn't reach that category. So what's been going on for everybody in point-to-pointing? I am joined now, we are joined indeed, on Luck on Sunday by Will Biddick, seven-time champion point-to-point rider and the winning-most rider as well, joining us from his stables in Somerset. Will, good morning. It should be a busy Sunday for you and you're able to spare us the time. Yeah, morning. I'd I'd, um, I'd much rather be at Great with you with uh, a book of rides right now. I know that. Well, thank you very much indeed. Anyway, for uh, for, for joining us. How frustrating has it been that that you know you have ridden goodness knows how many what what is it seven hundred and something or four hundred and something winners, uh, but you and amateur riders not considered to be elite sports people. Do you find that frustrating, or do you just shrug your shoulders and accept it? No, no, it is very frustrating because you know this is our um, it's our livelihood and our job, and we're all very passionate about it. Um, we still incur the same dangers and risks as a um, as a professionals, um, and you know it'd be nice if if we were able to ride now, and the sooner that can that can open up, the better. Um, hopefully, it won't be too long, and we can uh, keep kicking. And are you like me, getting the vibes that that could be sort of uh, within the next month or, or so, and uh, the the point to point authority is is gagging to get on with it? Yeah, I think um, by uh, by mid March um, or the back end of March, we'll be we'll pretty hopeful it'll be going ahead again. Um, we you know we proved that the sport is a safe sport to do behind closed doors, um, and there's been no outbreaks or related incident. Um, incidents from the fixtures we've had so far, um, you know, and the races are are spaced out and go right up until the middle of June. 
uh, and you know, it, like I say, it's 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 we've proved we can do it at a safe in a safe manner, and and it's all ready to go. And point to pointing, the definition of point to pointing, the the image is uh, boots open, port, uh, people charging around a field. However, is that it's certainly not Irish point to pointing? Is that British point to pointing anymore, or is it really much more commercial than it ever was in the past? No, that, that that's a massive part of the of the point to point. It's a social gathering for uh, your know, friends and families and locals and and uh, you know just a good way of getting people together and and watch some good racing. But it, it is definitely getting more commercial and it, and it's probably to keep the sport to just keep the sport going and, and keep money in the game. It's probably the right way to be going. Um, you know we've got we've got some good good trainers coming through now and and you know preparing horses, buy them at the sales and and winning them and selling them on international hunt racing and it's and it's you know it's a proven it's a good stepping stone for those young horses and tell us about your operation because clearly you can't run horses in point to points at the moment i know you do breaking of horses and free training as well but specifically on your point to pointing you know what, what can you do with your horses what what is happening to the horses um yeah we're fortunate enough we've got uh, one third of the yard we pointers but the rest will be producing young and uh, young uh, national hunt horses, whether breaking in or pre-training. Um, but you know what's what seems a bit silly is is we can run uh, Porlock Bay in a, in a hunter chase at Wincanton. Yeah, I can't. Uh, we can't even go to a point to point. Um, but uh, you know, I think uh, you know that's that's the way it's going, and it'll all it'll all work out now. We'll know a bit more what Boris says, and and uh, and we'll. Yeah, hopefully it's only around the corner that we can get back into onto the races again properly. And we, we talk about horses that have graduated from British point to points. Uh, the most obvious example uh, is Energy Men uh, with Willie Mullins. I think that won a, a Lark Hill point to point. Santini, well fancied for uh, big things, that started its point to point life at Didmartin, ridden by Mr W Biddick. So um, uh, pe people of uh, Santini, obviously a leading contender for the Gold Cup, people are inclined slightly to, to either love him or hate him. What, what, what's your view of, of Santini? And what was your view when he rode him that day in his, his maiden? Yeah, yeah, trained by Ed Walker. He won at, he won at Did Martin. Um, gave me a lovely feel. You know, big, big, raw baby that didn't really know what he's doing. Um, and has obviously improved dramatically and, and uh, gone right up the ranks. You know, he's an out and out stare that he, you know, he doesn't make life easy for him. He's not the quickest, uh, but he's obviously got the, got an engine, and he'd be one of the one of the best ones I think I rode in pointing that I've won a maiden or restricted on. Um, but you know, you can't forget the other horses. You know, Fran and Charlie Nimmo, and Tom and Gina Ellis. That you know, they've um, yeah, they've got they're producing young horses, and with Phil Rowley with Kintara winning there at the first the first point point meeting at Ottery, winning its bumper at Warwick the other day. You know, it's you know, we're holding, our, we're starting to hold our own now against the Irish horses, and we're, we're proving that we've got some, we've got some good stock coming through. Do you fancy Santini for the Gold Cup, or do you fancy him more for the Grand National? He's in there too. He'd be a good spin. I'd ride him anywhere. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to say which place I'd rather ride him. <laughs> and uh, talk, talking of uh, horses who've made names who you've been involved with in the past, McFabulous, trained by Paul Nichols now, and uh, very much a rising star hurdler. You've been, in, you've been involved with him. Yeah, so uh, we had, we had him from the from the from the start. He came back from the sales. You know, he's a big, strong Milan horse that um, 
you know, he, he showed natural ability right from the start. He was he was doing things that he shouldn't really know how to do, um, and and just oozing uh, natural talent, whether it was jumping or on the gallops. Um, it was a pleasure to have a horse come through the yard like that and, and say that I was the first person to sit on his back. And he's trained by Paul Nichols. You, you're talking to us from your stables, which is pretty close to Ditchett, isn't it? So you see the Nichols operation uh, very close up. Yeah, no, Paul's been a massive support of mine and, uh, and given me a big leg up in, in, the, in, the, in the area that I'm, I'm in now with the producing of the young horses. Um, we've had some lovely horses coming through and... and you, um, we, you know, all the horses that he's been running, a lot of the point, a lot of the the bumper horses he's ran this season. You know, we we've had them from the start and and produced them and given them racecourse gallops and schooled them and and you know when they when they go into their national hunt yards, you know they're good to go. They run straight. They're they're, they're behaved and 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 uh, you know it's, it's really rewarding for us us at the yard to see them see them progress. Um, so you know, it's, it's a nice little thing on the, on, that I'm doing on the back of the pointing. And you know, he's obviously got the material, but there are so many other aspects to the Nichols operation. If you were asked to put your finger on the one thing that makes him one of the great racehorse trainers of, of our age, what, what would you go for? He's a, he's a breed of his own. You know, he, it's infectious being in his company because he's so enthusiastic and positive about everything. Um, he's always aiming high and, and putting horses in to get the max out of their, to get the maximum ability out of them. Um, you know, I'm forever learning off him, and, and that's just being in his company or, or around him. And uh, you know, he's, uh, he's he's a bit of a genius, really. He's always trying to modernise things and upgrade things and and source the best horses. We've got a really great system now that I'm fortunate enough to be part of, where you're buying these stores and producing them, giving them time. Getting them get as much um, behind the scenes experience in them as possible, and not rushing them, and and that's now proven with the system I've had going with him for the last three years with the bumper horses, um, and you know it's all it's all trying to get longevity out of that horse and and to get the maximum and find that maximum ability they've got. Um, so you know it's, he's uh, he's a bit of a genius, I think. It has been described as one of the worst scandals to hit Irish racing. The doping to lose with what was described as a dangerous level of sedative. The Charles Burns trained Viking horde when ridden by jockey Kevin Browder at Tremor in October 2018. Uh, this week, a six-month ban for Charles Burns and a fine was confirmed when he lost his appeal. Uh, the horse, not for the first time, uh, was laid on the betting exchanges uh, and the penalty was imposed on Charles Burns uh, because the horse was left unattended, during which time uh, the word nobbled was used in the inquiry. The horse was nobbled. There's no evidence to suggest uh, that any members of the Burns team was involved. Well, there's, uh, there are so many aspects to this particular story, and I'm really pleased uh, that joining us from the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board, the IHRB, uh, is uh, Dr. Lynn Hillier. Hello, good morning, who's the chief vet and uh, the chief anti-doper as well. Thank you for joining us on Luck on Sunday this morning. Good morning, Cornelius. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, the, you know, the, this, this story has been, has been going on for some time. Uh, to an extent, we've, we've reached a conclusion because the, the, the appeal has been dismissed. 
uh, though there are still more questions. How do you at this stage, how do you reflect on the whole thing? This case was obviously deeply concerning. Um, as the body charged with protecting important for us, all our cases are important for us, we need to understand them and see them through to their conclusion. Our equine anti-doping programme is doing its job. That's why we're here today. That's why it took two and a half years to bring this to its full conclusion. We, we're looking forward now. We have a job of work to do. We have to remember this was two and a half years ago. An awful lot has been achieved in that time. Now going forwards with more work this year. Well, after the, the, uh, the media conference, after the appeal was dismissed, um, I think it was your colleague, Dennis Egan, who said, you know, everyone can be clear, Irish racing is clean. But can, can you really say that so emphatically when this has grabbed so many headlines? And indeed, only a month or two ago, Jim Bulger, as respected a figure in Irish racing, saying that, uh, that, that doping was a number one issue. Yeah, we just the first thing to say is, yes, we can stand over what we're doing in our equine anti-doping program, it's doing its job. In terms of quality, quantity, um, the amount of testing we do, just to give an idea of scale, we would be taking about 10% of our runners are sampled. About 5% of those would be non-routine, so they wouldn't be winners, they'd be as, as the case in Viking Horde. And we're moving towards 4,000 this year. So the quantity is there, the quality is also there. It would be well known that we, we moved to a world-class laboratory in 2018, um, they're one of only five. And our percentage of out-of-competition testing is also increasing. We were something like 7% in 2016. We're now up at near 25%. So all of this tells us, all the samples, all of that work, day in, day out, gives us the confidence to say that, yes, we are happy that we have our tracing is clean. But we can't stand still, of course. Of course not. No regulator can. We need to go forward. We've got some developments this year, which you, you, you'll be aware of, where we will be increasing our activity and unlicensed services, for example. All of this is, in, is, is critical for us to be able to stand over that comment going forwards. So just t tell us where we are uh, with the unscheduled visit. Am I right in saying that training is taking place so that these unscheduled visits can be more extensive? Is that, is that correct? Exactly, exactly. So we're but that's been training... sort of held up by the pandemic? It's been, it's been a long time coming on the one hand. On the other hand, when you have a group, if you go back to where this came from, it came back from the Antidoping Task Force, which, which was convened here in 2016 to, to critically review the situation with equine anti-doping. There were some 25 recommendations or actions. 22 of those are, are either achieved or ongoing, and this was one of them. So yeah, go back to the question. The, the, the team are being trained up on Tuesday. They're an experienced team. It's my veterinary officers, veterinary assistants, but also those from other areas of the organisation to bring in different skill sets. So we're looking at being active, going out on the ground by, by the middle of the year. And in terms of the wider equine community, have you, have you not been asked by some people that you should really give a warning because it's not just about horse racing, it's about every, so many different aspects of, of the equine world? Yeah, we, we will be testing and visiting premises that belong to unlicensed unlicensed people, so pinnockers, breeders, and, and, and it's, it's that life before the thoroughbreds come under our care, if you like, the, 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 the whole picture. So it, it's been very important that people understand what's, what's coming here, and, and that's taken a little bit of time to, to work through. At the end of the day, a horse in a training yard is, 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 is generally more accessible than a, a yearling turn, 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 turned out or coming in out or even going back you know, to, to a younger animal. So we understand that. The, the unannounced part as regulators was critical. Um, it was really important right from the word go. But going forwards, we'll be able to, to 
assess, inspect, ensure the welfare and, and the anti-doping um, status, if you like, of any thoroughbred in Ireland at any time. And hair testing, just uh, up, update us on that. That's something that you've been, because uh, you were in the UK before, weren't you, working for the authorities here. Hair testing <laughs> has been something that, uh, that has been right uh, in the, uh, high on your agenda throughout. We started working on hair. I started working with LGT, as you say, when I was working for the BHA some, some 10 years ago. Um, and that's why LGC are one of the world leaders in, in hair testing and anabolic chemistry that goes hand in hand with that. Um, it's, it's now being, being applied across the world. I suppose where we're different here is that we started doing it on race course, on the race course in the summer. And we, we, take, we take samples entirely, um, hair and blood, in, in our arts competition testing. So we've used it, I suppose, in two ways. One, to, to prove the substance is there. Two, to prove when it was there, when, when the horse was exposed to the substance. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll be aware, no doubt, hair gives a longer window of, of that exposure. By using hair with our blood and urine, by taking enough samples at the right time, we can make sure that we have the coverage we need to be able to stand over that statement that our equine anti-doping program is, is, is doing its job. So we've, we've talked hair testing, we've talked unannounced uh, visits. You were, when you moved to Ireland, uh, you gave an interview to the Irish Field and you said uh, this, you said putting in quick fixes was never the intention. People may now, what's it, five years later, saying, well, you know, the, the quick fixes might not have been the intention, but should you have been quicker about all this? You know, cameras are only just coming into race courses. The move to the other laboratories only a couple of years ago. So have you, have you dragged your feet? I think quick, quick fixes really work and they, they really actually stand the test of time or indeed regulatory scrutiny. So all of these cases that we've brought through have been properly processed. The investigations have all been carried out in, in, in the appropriate way. You, you, you have to make sure that the processes are consistent from case to case. That's critical, obviously, as, as a regulator. So the, the percentage of our competition was around 7%. It's now 18% 2019. It'll be 25% this year. Making sure that all of that's done properly with trained personnel, stakeholders understanding what's needed. So, I mean, to give an example, 2018, you, you may be aware we had something like we had 27 positives in 2018. Of those, I'd say around half gave calls, gave us calls for concern. Moving to 2020, we had 10 positives last year or post-race findings, and all of those were medication issues where medications hadn't been withdrawn in time or there was a, a case of cross-contamination exposure from a human drug. So what I'm saying is in, in that time, there's been a, a, a significant transition, both in the, the level of testing, the type of testing, and the, if you like, the response from the industry. What we're seeing is very different now. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a much less concerning situation than it was. Oh, I'll tell you what, though. Here's a question for you. Um, are you uh, are you a multitasker? Are you any good at multitasking? No, no, no I'm not. I'm not One as well. Bad are, enough. Are, are you a good multitasker? I'll tell you what. You're certain to be a better multitasker than than I am. I'm absolutely hopeless. A bit like my uh, colleague here, who I might call my learned friend. But uh, we're about to uh, introduce somebody who's uh, very good at uh, multitasking because Graham McPherson QC combines training racehorses in the Cotswolds. Uh, with uh, being a QC. And in fact, uh, I see it says here, 
that um, uh, his specialization is in domestic and international litigation and arbitration, professional liability insurance, uh, plus racing, appearing both uh, for and against the British Horse Racing Authority. Uh, and uh, Graham, uh, hello, good morning. Uh, and I'm going to quote at morning, you. Morning. Admittedly, uh, it's your own website, but you're described on your barrister's website as fear a fearless advocate, ruthless, a fantastic courtroom presence. Gosh, what, what, your, your owner's days must be fun. People must be terribly careful <laughs> what they say. I think I've probably got my wife to thank for those quotes, haven't I? So. Uh, uh, but, but so how, how, how do you do it? Uh, you actually say, I make a bit of money as a QC. I suspect that's being terribly modest. I make a bit of money as a QC, but I get more enjoyment from training. So how, how, how do you balance it? I, I mean, the, the, the first thing is to say the reason I can do it is because I've got an absolutely fantastic team at the yard. Um, I could not do it without everyone um, working, absolutely working their socks off for me back at home. Um, and likewise, on the barristering side, I've got a great team of people that look after me. Um, I've got very understanding clients. I've got amazing owners. Um, so it, it, it works well. The vast majority of the time, it works well. Occasionally, it goes a bit wrong, but uh, by and large, we're fine. I'm just wondering whether your clerk has to be told there's, that there's racing at Ludlow on Thursday. So uh, I'm afraid Mr. McPherson's not available. It, it's usually my clerk telling me, actually, he's a big racing fan and he knows he knows not only where my diary is for barristering, but also where all the entries are and where I ideally need to be each day. So is that the key to it, that your clerk is a racing fan? If he loathed it, it, it could be more tricky. It definitely helps, certainly, certainly. But, and he knows that the first thing to go in the diary every year is to book out Cheltenham Week. Actually, and I'm just wondering whether a client has ever rung and uh, said, oh, Mr. McPherson, hello, and you're walking into Ludlow, Sedgefield, wherever it is, and you're praying that the loudspeaker says, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to Sedgefield. Cornelius, sadly, that has in fact happened and it was indeed at Sedgefield and I thought I'd found a very quiet corner of the course to have a chat with someone and I didn't notice that I was standing right underneath one of the loudspeakers and, and in a very loud voice there was indeed, good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Sedgefield Racecourse and there was a, a silence on the phone followed by a Graham, where exactly are you question. Excellent. Uh, we're just uh, hope that your line is just going to reestablish. Uh, your your back. I suppose it could be like that announcement. Is it at, uh, is it York? You occasionally hear that announcement, ladies and gentlemen. Just to know, let you know, this will be suitable for you. Pickpockets are in operation here this afternoon. Uh, that that. Uh, oh, I think you. Yeah, I, I think our, our learned friend yeah. has uh, has frozen uh, uh, again. Oh, you can. We can. Apparently, we can hear you, Graham. So, so the, the, the question is, are you a barrister who trains racehorses or a racehorse trainer who, uh, who knows a bit about the law? I, I was just listening in, and I, I think that story is exactly right. Probably a decade ago, I'd have been a barrister that, that trained a few horses. Um, now, I think probably things have switched. Um, in the summer, when it's a bit quieter, there's probably a bit more emphasis on the barristering. But in the winter, the heart and the head are very much um, in racing now. And, uh, you know, obviously you are a professional in two different spheres. Is there ever a conflict of interest? Because you do appear in disciplinary hearings on either side, then equally you're going to bump into people who could be involved in those hearings uh, in your other profession, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, it's something I'm always very alive to. We always have to be alive to conflicts of interest. And I've, I've turned down work in the past where, uh, where a conflict can arise. Um, but yeah, equally, I, I remember years ago, actually, I, I, I was on the other side um, prosecuting a trainer 
Um, he won completely on his merits. He saw me the next day at Ludlow. He came marching across the parade ring towards me and, uh, and I thought, oh, this is going to be awkward. And he just stuck out his hand and said, look, no hard feelings. I know it was only business. And that is, that's 99% of the reaction. Um, I think most of the people that, um, that I'm involved with like to, uh, like to know that there's someone that knows a bit about the law and a bit about horses as well. And, but traditionally in life, having feet in two camps is, is not encouraged, is it, necessarily? So do some of your legal colleagues, your legal friends say, ooh, is this a bit dodgy, Graham, to, to be uh, doing both of these? I, I've not had anyone say that to me yet. Um, never say never, I suppose. But no, you know, but by and large, um, most of the clients, I would say, know that I, um, uh, I lead two lives. Uh, and they're very happy with that. And li likewise, the owners, um, yeah, they're, they're very sympathetic to the fact that, um, uh, that I have another, another life as well. Um, and, uh, and they're very tolerant of that. And I do remember not that many years ago, you, you were actually bef up before the stewards one day and were uh, accused of a, of a non-trier, which obviously you defended yourself and you, and you won. But yeah. I, I, I remember writing at the time, uh, there's not a question whether he appealed. Surely he must appeal because clearly your, your integrity had been questioned. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we were, we were, we were um, found to have scored a, a horse, uh, scored and conditioned a horse down at Chepstow um, by the stewards there. Uh, and we appealed. We appealed successfully. I'm, I'm pleased to say. But yeah, you're you're right. It's not not something that uh, um, it, it's not something that I can ever cross the line. So we we, we try to do it 100% straight. Let's put it that way. And you you train in the Cotswolds. Uh, yeah. Is it true? I've heard a story that you know, with the fact fact in mind that you do get involved in in disciplinary hearings, etc., that you don't label any of the doors of your stables because you 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 wouldn't want anyone to try and take retribution against your horses. You know, we, we used to do that uh, when I used to prosecute for the BHA. Um, I haven't prosecuted for the BHA for a good few years now. I, I, I only defend. I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of the good guys now. Um, so we're, we're comfortable labelling the horses. Um, I'm yet, yet to have a, a, a client that was so dissatisfied with, uh, with the service I gave him that, uh, that I thought he might come after me. And I don't know if you can see what we can see on the screen, but there are some shots of your yard uh, after a recent snowfall. Yeah, it looks only absolutely idyllic there. For what, what sort of number of horses have you got? So we've we've got room for eighty um, in four barns. Um, with the um, the winter horses um, obviously in full uh, full flow at the moment, and a lot of the summer horses have just come back in. We're pretty full at the moment. Um, so yeah, we've we've got sort of probably fifty going out of a morning at the moment, and then uh, some of the youngsters and and some of the summer horses just starting off. And we were looking at the list of weights for the Grand National uh, at number 59, I think it is. So guaranteed a run. Ten stone yeah. two is a horse of yours, Ami Desbois, uh, who, having been pulled up at Sandown last year and had a, a long period off, ran, a, ran an absolute screamer at Kempton when uh, narrowly beaten second the other day. Uh, he did. Will he go to entry? Yes, he will. Um, he goes to Doncaster on Wednesday for the Veterans Chase. Um, we deliberately didn't run him again after Kempton until the weights came out. So we thought his, uh, his mark of 145, we thought that should pretty much guarantee him a run. Um, I'd like to think he'll run well at Doncaster on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, and then he'll go straight to Aintree after that. Um, and he's a horse that really for the last two or three years we thought could be a national horse. Um, you said he had, he had a good time off. He had a great novice hurdle season, won his first two novice chases, but then... Um, uh, he had a couple of problems with his front legs, bony problems rather than tendon problems. Um, so he's got screws in each of his front legs. Um, and it, did, it, it took a good while, as, as you'd expect, for him to, um, to get comfortable again and to come back. 
but he seems in flying form this year. Well, excellent. Well, look, best of luck with him. Would, would Lily Pynchon keep the ride in the in the Grand National? Now that's a tough one. Um, Keelan, I think, would uh, would would get back on for that. Um, he's Woods. got that. Yeah, Keelan Woods. He's got experience around the national fences. Um, he can do ten to. Um, so no, it'll be it'll be Keelan's ride for the national. Sorry, Lily. That's Graham McPherson, QC racehorse trainer and barrister, racehorse trainer who's also a barrister. Well, we're going to keep up. Uh, the theme of the Randox uh, Grand National, because when the weights came out, plenty of eyes were drawn to a horse that had won two Grand Nationals, you could say three uh, Grand Nationals. Uh, and uh, in fact, I, I'll hold that thought, as they say, uh, because our, our technology is just not spectacular uh, this morning. But um, uh, I, I just love the thought that someone could have. It's a sort of Dick Francis type novel. You don't put labels on your once yeah, yeah. you didn't put labels on the door in case of retribution. You know, the heroes in Dick Francis novels do tend to have you know be lawyers on the one hand and amateur jockeys winning at Sandown on the other. Don't yeah, they? it's a, it's a, I think it's a fascinating life, and I think it's a it's one that's enriched by doing. Uh, different things. So uh, it's, it's it's fascinating to talk to Graham at first and when he you know, about his either professional life really. But um, yeah, Christian Williams um, Potter's Corner has won. You were saying nearly th three Grand Nationals. Cause he well, won I, I didn't actually. I, I didn't actually name the horse, but thank you. For, thank you for, for for reminding me. Because he won the he won the Midlands Grand National. He won the Welsh Grand National, and he won the Virtual Grand he National. He didn't go up in the weights for. And um, he didn't. The and I wonder if that surprised his trainer. Uh, let's uh, say good morning to Christian Williams, who's been good enough to join. Hello, uh, Christian. Thank you for. Oh, you look. You look. You look nice and comfy. And you. What are you in the behind the wheel of the horse box? Yes, we're on our way to Newbury. We've um, just pulled over at Memory Services, myself and Clive. So nice to have a stop, uh, have a coffee, and great to speak to you guys. Well, thank you for joining us on Luck on Sunday. Uh, as Dave just said, you didn't get a penalty for winning the um, for winning the virtual Grand National last year. I think the handicapper, no. ho ho, joked that he that he was going to ring you and pretend that you were going to get six extra pounds. Yeah, no penalty and no prize money. <laughs> Oh, but all that glory! You were the, you were the, not just the most popular um, uh, team in in Wales after that uh, race, which benefited the NHS. But across these islands, they were talking about. I remember you were a bit more bearded than you are today, and you popped up on the ten o'clock news. Yeah, smartened myself up since then, and um, that was a great day. Great for the family, two children watching, the wife, and um, everyone in the yard, and friends, friends outside the racing who not much interest in racing at the time the time the race was on and um, it was just great you know it was uh, just a bit of a lift for, for everyone. So the Grand National is is clearly the target for uh, for Potter's Corner for, for, for this year? Yeah 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 he had a little bit of a bumpy year but um, surely retains a little bit of ability in the cross-country race at Cheltenham so hopefully hopefully he can go there and um, and run well and then lead, lead on to Aintree and fingers crossed so we're just lucky the, the size of the yard we are to, to have two horses entered in the race and two nice two nice high, highly rated chasers so so we're lucky Cap to have Captain two horses being in the yard Captain Orr being the other one who'd be a bit more borderline in terms of getting a run wouldn't he? Yeah I think so yeah I think it's um, he's rated 142 along with seven other horses so I think it goes on, on their form up until the race so if he can run well um, he goes to Close Brothers, uh, Kempton, one of the favourites in the race, uh, week Saturday, and he seems in good form at home. So 
So we're looking forward to running him there, and hopefully, um, hopefully a good solid run in that race can can cement um, can cement his place in the race. And Potter's Corner, you say he's had a bit of a bumpy time uh, this year because of the Grand National successes and the virtual Grand National success. He has got a bit of a following because Jonathan Davis, rugby star, is one of his owners, along with All Star uh, Sports Club. Bumpy is that? Is that you putting a little bit of a sort of philosophical spin on it? It, it, it looks on the face of it, admittedly, a couple of hurdle races, tiny bit disappointing. Yeah, of course. No, no, no. It's up to us not to try and get him back. But um, yeah, perhaps he just needs a fencer to spark him up. We did tests after Exeter, and his blood's come back right, scope clean. So horse is looking a million dollars. So um, uh, we've got to Cheltenham now, school him, school him at Cheltenham over the cross country fences in the next few days, and probably. We'd probably do that once more then before the race. So hope um, hope those two days out can, can can help. And we thought he'd run well in the race in October. So just uh, we're looking forward to running him there. And it hasn't been lost on anyone that you train on the beach at Ogmore by Sea, not too far from Porthcawl uh, on the South Wales coast. And Red Rum was trained on the beach as well. Uh, so that that's a yeah. nice little comparison. No, no, it'd be a great story. And as he said, he's got a good following. He won the Midlands National, Welsh National, fell in Ida Chase, looked like he's nearly going to win, fell in the Somerset National, looked like he was going to win. And um, no, he's just a good staying chaser. And and um, yeah, obviously, Jonathan owns him, a few good owners. So it'd be great pretty great if we could get him to Aintree. And then it'd obviously be even better as well if um, a few of his owners could come and watch him, fingers crossed. And what, what, what's the beach been like? I imagine during lockdown, there might be, because when I came down, it was deserted. It was you and your horses. But I imagine during lockdown, there are a lot of people walking their dogs and uh, walking along the beach, aren't they getting in the way? Oh, not too bad the last, um, <laughs> the last few weeks with the rain. People seem to avoid the rain, I think. So, so only, only us have to go out in that weather. No, it's been great now. We've, we've um, great place to train and um, no, we're thankful of, thankful to, to be there and and like I said hopefully Potter's corner and Captain Ord Captain Ord's flown the flag a little bit this year he obviously went into the season well handicapped and um, limited reserve did well for us so well for us last year probably paying the price a little bit of doing so well last year and obviously Kitty's light um, uh, looks a future star he's back out today so so fingers crossed we can keep keep finding those horses to um, keep advertising us on the big days and Christian, you as a jockey, you were runner-up in a Grand National on Royal Eau Claire. You were sixth in a Grand National on Big Fella Thanks. So you, 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 you banged on the door. But the thought of trying to actually open that door now as a trainer, that you just smiled just thinking about it. That would be great. Yeah, we're just lucky. Lucky to have the horses and the owners um, to compete in the races. Like I said, for smaller yards, to have two, two horses capable of running the race is great. And... Um, just up to us now to try and get them in the best of form we can and and, and hope to, hope they take to it. And what very quickly, what's it like finishing second? You were second on Royal Eclair behind Hedgehunter. Everyone talks about the winner. No one ever talks about the second. How what was it like? No, of course not. That's the trouble we're racing is um is you obviously need to win to, to be talked about. But no, as long as the horses run well you appreciate it and all the horse can do is try his best and when when Roy Leclerc finished second, he was really a close second. The hedge under won very well, so um, it was just great to be involved in the race, the lead up to the race, and just great excitement there for Roy, their owners, just just to be involved in, in such a great race. And answer yes or no, England against Wales, you love your rugby next weekend. The answer is who wins? 
<laughs> Wales, Wales, hopefully. <laughs>